0: The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. Any references to actual people are wildly inaccurate. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Welcome back to The Roaring Peacock Podcast. This is the... Main cast number 22, Christ, has it been that many? In this week's episode, we'll be talking about that Palace game, looking ahead to Arsenal. Uh, Rafi to Liverpool, question mark? No, exclamation mark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, KP's possible injury and joining us as our guest co-host is Rob Bagchi. And we'll be talking about uh, everything with him. And also his book, The Biography of Leeds United, The Story of the Whites, which you can buy on Amazon. Um, So do that. Go on, do it.
1: We're not going to continue until you've gone on
0: Amazon and bought it. Right. Um, But first, the week began with the under-23s Terry Middlesbrough's youth team, a new one in a rip-roaring first-half display of total dominance. Though Borough did make a comeback in the second half, it was too little, too late for the wannabe Yorkshireman. <laughs> and for more on the under 23s, you can check out our dedicated youth pod. It was a tale of two Joes this week with episode five profiling Joe Gelhart, and a bonus interview dropping yesterday with Yorkshire Evening Post writer Joe Urquhart. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> Ellen Road has opened up as a max vaccination centre just in time for a bunch of Londoners to get injected with some Brazilian magic and salty tears the medicine didn't work for Gary Cahill who gloriously passed (laughs) Ballas did go home immunized against the thought they could outplay Leeds however another thing they can inject performances like that straight into our arteries and after this stunning display on a night where no other football was on Rafinha suddenly pinged on pundits radars they were immediately vexed as to why he was playing for Leeds deciding he should sign for Liverpool at the earliest opportunity so the world would make sense again. Well, if Coutinho costs £140 million, then how much is Rafinha? We advise Liverpool to think about that and then fuck off back to their fish-and-chip-eating city, the roast beef motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and in non-Leeds-related news, the orange ones, impeachment began and may take weeks and costs. Uh, two million dollars if only they'd asked us we could have told them he's guilty for free (laughs) and after a spate of racist diatribe the 600th anti-racism campaign of the season has been launched and this time they mean it apparently all the t-shirts and badges did absolutely fuck all who would have thought and if you're confused by all the campaigns uh blms take a knee kick it out take a stand and kick it out kick racism out of football show racism the red card no room for racism. UEFA's Football Against Racism in Europe, or the countless others. Can we remind you of our own campaign we suggested all the way back in October? <laughs> don't be a racist cunt.
1: <laughs> We're sticking with that one. <sighs> Unimprovable. You, you, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to take a knee, you don't have to stand, you don't have to wear a badge, just don't be
0: a racist cunt, that's yes. all you need to do. <laughs> There's no misinterpretation there. <laughs> and, moving on, it was a week rich in memes, as we felt sympathy for a Tory for the first time, Jackie Weaver, muted and kicked her way if not into authority then into our hearts.
1: You have no authority here, Donis. no authority at all
0: (laughs) while a kitten turned up in court professing not to be a cat (laughs) (laughs) don't worry little one you will be someday (laughs) and Weetabix tried to convince us it was the best thing since sliced bread. While that idea was half-baked, it was dreamed up by a man who was full of beans but unfortunately also of shit (laughs) so that was your week and uh joining um, my name's adonis and you know me as at the adolites on twitter and it's a very good hello from me and joining us to discuss all of that and more is our guest co-host today uh robin Bagchi. hello and our uh returning riot badger (laughs) alex hello hello so gentlemen how was that
1: Yeah, it was good. Um, I enjoyed the uh, Palace game. It was the most comfortable I've ever watched a Leeds game in a long, long time. I didn't feel stressed in any way. I thought Liam Cooper was solid, and there was no worries at the back. And yeah,
2: really nice. I think when we score early, you can sort of you exhale, don't you? A little bit, some of the tension goes, and you just think, "My God, I can, I can really enjoy this." And I thought you were outstanding. Um, you know, really gave them a a schooling. Um. I've been sort of getting up early to do the cricket um or the first test. So I've been having 3 a.m. start. So I was a bit sort of um, drowsy watching the match, I must say, uh, cause had, um, an early start the next morning as well. But I just thought it was just perfect, the, the way that we just, we assessed what they were capable of doing to us and we completely negated it right from the start.
1: Yeah. Although every time we do score early, I always think, oh, we'll need another. <laughs> and no matter who we're playing, <laughs> we'll need another.
0: At one point I was like, you know, I can't settle down unless we score at least four goals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then you think back to the Fulham game, you're like, oh, well, that was pretty close when we scored four anyway. (laughs) We can't relax. But I I did feel pretty relaxed with it. I thought the the performance were really measured. It was still the same sort of football, they just weren't as frantic and like desperate as it has been. And I think, like Rob says, I think scoring early gives us that opportunity to do it. So,
0: yeah. How do you feel the season has been going in general, Rob?
2: I I mean, I think it's been going as well as we could have really uh, hoped for in our wildest dreams after promotion because Hmm. we knew that Bielsa has a preference for keeping the squad together, that he would want to keep the players that perhaps some of us have felt, you know, weren't ready to kick on. And and they have done, you know, every single one of them has proved themselves worthy of, of, you know, having a a debut season in the Premier League and, and to stay around, you know, Cooper, it was brilliant on on uh, Monday night. Um, I think Ailing looks like a class act at right back as he always has done, um, and and filled in brilliantly at, at centre half too, um, and particularly Harrison, who you know for a third season on loan. I thought the way that he ran um, at, at Nathaniel Klein, who you know was an England player only three or four years ago before his injury, um, was was fantastic. I think you know I would have been happy with seventeenth as everybody would have been um, at the start of the season. Um, I did think we'd do slightly better than that, but I didn't think we'd be as high as as we are at the moment. Um, And I think we can sustain it. I think that's what we've shown so far, that that Bamford has the quality in this league, despite the number of misses he still makes, um, to to really hit 20 goals. And we create so many chances. Um, And we just... what's really strange is it's been our thing all this time and now you've got everybody in the office i work for a newspaper you know everybody's talking about us in a way that they hadn't in the past and in some ways you, you you want to tell them to f off you know this is our thing keep your opinions out of it but in another way it's quite it's quite revealing to see what what they think And i'm not quite sure sometimes whether it's a quite a patronising, you know. Oh, well done, you know. You're you're, play, you're playing this this sort of attractive style that you know will never catch on, and you know you'll soon get found out, or or whether there is a genuine appreciation now of of what Bielsa is and and the revolution that he's he's, he's managed to pull off at least.
1: You just give the, the office a few verses of where were you when we were shit. <laughs> yeah. It usually works for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it it's awful that when you just it's like co-opting the the movement that we've been, it's like you're saving up for Christmas and somebody just steams and goes, oh yeah, I'll buy everything. No, we've gone through them 16 years. We've gone through League One. So let
2: us enjoy it. You know, go and support Liverpool or something. Glory, Spartan Bastards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> it's more a case of, you know, I've got an 11-year-old son and, and uh, you know, he has long had the piss taken out of him at school. We live in London, um, you know, for for his shirts and at the football club he plays for. Um, and now everybody does keep mentioning it to him, you know. Last sort of last half of the championship season, last season, and now it's constantly, you know, isn't Rafinha doing well? Isn't Calvin playing well? Isn't, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it has been good to see because, like, my nephews are elite supporters and been, there's never been a hint of them supporting a Man City or a, a Man United. <sighs> <laughs> Thank God for that. And I know one of them will be listening now, but I, th- I think w- they, we've seen that as well, where all their school has kind of like gone from wearing like Premier League shirts to, oh, lead shirts have yeah. just started to drift in. And yeah,
0: it's good to see that be prevalent there.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, Rob, you mentioned at the, the top that um, when we score the first goal, you can exhale. And somebody else who exhaled uh, for the final time uh, was Gary Cahill. Um, so let's talk about Rafinha, and that kind of also ties in with maybe some of your uh, Telegraph friends talking about Leeds, because everybody sort of perked up at uh, Rafinha and kind of recognised his skills and ability, um, and the the dialogue around it was we need to get him straight to Liverpool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did think it was a good metaphor, though, wasn't it? How quickly the Brazilian variant can go through an Englishman. (laughs) So we've got to be very
2: careful. Yeah, I mean, he's immediately cropped up on people's radars, hasn't he, just by that one piece of skill. But I mean, I think arguably, you know, the ball to Harrison to score at at, at Newcastle was was the equal of anything. His finishes against Everton, his finishes against Newcastle. I think there has been a, a, a slow awakening to the fact that we've got a real gem on our hands here, from you know outsiders. But yeah, I think it, it's 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 laughable, isn't it? This, this idea that as soon as we have a decent player, that that you know he's too good for us, that we we're, you know we're not allowed to have nice things too. You know, let the, <laughs> let, let's flog him off to Liverpool. It, yeah. You know, you, you can sort of see that Cantona thing all over again, can't you? Or, or you know. Mm-hmm. John Charles or something, you know, you've got this wonderful world-class player. I mean, I know Cantona's a hugely different story, but, but you've got this thing that, that makes Leeds fans feel special, but it's like, well, you know, no, no, you you can't have him for too long. Let, let, let's get rid of him. And I mean, I mean, I do think that every board in the past, apart from the one that, you know, was around in the 60s and early 70s, probably would have cashed in on him at some point. Um, but I don't think this one will. Um, I mean, I presume he's got a watertight contract, and and I think you know the idea that, that you know we'd flog him, even to fund you know six or seven signings is is you know it's laughable. I don't think we'd do that anymore.
1: Well, I don't know. Rajazani's Med mentioned that he's going to be following the Leicester model, which is kind of is that. So we will scout very well. We'll buy. I mean, is an absolute bargain at seventeen million quid. I mean, that Costa must be looking at his price tag, going, oh shit um but so if we sell him a, a if a if a club comes in and offers us enough as long as we reinvest that in replacements I think that is showing that we're following the Leicester model but it will hurt and it will sting and the problem is is Rafinha's got farm for it where he's he's kind of been a little bit mercenary where he's, he's joined a club for a season and then left for for pastures new so I'm kind of preparing myself to to never see him play um which is awful so
0: I did read about his time in Sporting Lisbon, and it did seem like he didn't really want to leave from there. and And so I know that he's left Wren, like after a very short spell. But I think, I hope, can we just keep him forever? Is what I'm saying, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, we finish in the top 10, though. We get, we get, you know, huge bonus payments for every position that you land in. The more successful we are, the better that, you know, we'll be quick to to hang on to him. And, you know, I I wouldn't have thought that two seasons would, would, you know, even if he has ambitions to go to, you know, Barcelona or Liverpool or whoever, uh, you know, or a Champions League last four uh, type club at the moment, I I don't think, you know, we'd necessarily have to sell him. But I, I do agree that the Leicester model, the way that they have managed to get the, the, the sums that they've got for some of the players they've sold, you know, 50 odd million for Chilwell, you know, what, what they got for Maguire and replaced him with, with, with Fafana, who is, you know, better than he is and 40 million quid cheap, you know? Yeah. So it's, there is something to be said about that. And that's where Orta comes in, I suppose, in, in terms yeah. of identifying the talent.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. He always talks about like one third of transfers working out well and if you think about like we got Rafi for 20 basically if we sell him for 60 then we're just replacing him Hmm. you know but if we sell him for 80 or something like that then there's potentially more of a chance Um, but the thing is that he will he's got such a high ceiling I mean he reminds me of a young Ronaldinho or something like (laughs) maybe it's just my rose tinted glasses because he's wearing a white shirt and I just can't believe it (laughs) but he's fantastically good and we'd be looking at like either one or two contracts you know so he's 24 now and i presume it's a four-year deal and then that would take him into his kind of peak and then his next contract he'd probably be looking at um champions league football or whatever but as a fan you're not even thinking about any of that you just want him to stay forever
1: <laughs> i just love the the dynamic as well how we, well he's linking up with uh, patrick bamford i was listening to the Legion united podcast and they actually communicate in french cuz um on the on uh, the
0: Legion united podcast yeah
1: i'd i'd listen to it sorry oh. uh, we'll, we'll discuss it later i actually quite enjoy it i've got to i got to be honest i quite enjoy patrick bamford he's um a very good orator and i think he's he's a really good um, ambassador for the club i think the way that he's spoken to the press this season after last um, and there was a little, a little bit of a bad relationship between him and the fans, I think because he's so open now and he's talking a lot more, I think we're, you know, we're all taking to him. But yeah, he was saying that because he's Portuguese isn't very good and Rafinha's English and very good, because he spent a year at a French club, he can then speak to him. So they speak on the field in French. You know, that leads that for you, isn't it? So. What's,
0: the, what's the French for... Um... That's the fucking ball. Let's find out. Okay. Um, so uh, something bad that happened on on Monday was um, KP seems to be in the mud. Do we know anything about that?
1: Uh, he was he was ambling for a little while, wasn't he? I mean, I remember thinking, he's not right. Why are we keeping him on? And we took him off really late. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's just, it's been really, I think it's the Athletic have released their uh, treatment table list and he's on there with a, I think it's a, a blue spot, which means it's between seven and 30 days return.
0: A, a, a blue spot sounds
1: bad. It does, like, at least it's, it's not spot. a black yeah.
2: spot,
0: is it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> it. <laughs> Instant death.
1: <laughs> as long as you don't have the same color as uh, Forshire, I think you're
0: fine. <laughs> <laughs> We do match reaction videos now. Um, if you haven't seen them, check them out on our YouTube channel. Um, and the lowest moment in this game was me s- sunk back in the couch as far, as far horizontal as you could possibly go while still being able to actually see the screen. And and I'm just saying, oh, God, KP in the mud. He's the one player we can't replace. <laughs>
1: Mm. I'd like to know what it is. I mean when's the when's the press conference for Arsenal? I presume it's tomorrow, isn't it? Tomorrow so we'll, you know we'll find out we'll, we'll get some sort of uh, metaphor about rivers and too much in it and you've got to look upstream and we'll we'll, we'll infer from context what the actual uh, injury is.
2: But the, but the one game we played really well without him against Villa was when well not the entire game but when when strike went off and, and, and Shackleton came on would you see that as a sort of solution rather than mucking about with, with strike and breaking up that centre-half partnership now?
1: Yeah, I think them two, they're really solid. I wouldn't change that at all. I think you're right. I think Shackleton in the, in the uh, CDM is probably one of his best options. Or Click, maybe. But he's he's not really Sean in that position, has he?
2: No, I mean, I think Shackleton's got such a talent and gets so few opportunities. I sort of understand why, given that Bielsa does like to pick his strongest team whenever he can, and he's not quite there. But... I do think, you know, he's, he's an exceptional talent and I don't think he would let us down in the middle there at all.
0: Let's look ahead to Arsenal then. And Arsenal haven't been doing particularly well this season. We should have beaten them in the last game, no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: When we hit the woodwork, God knows how many times, yeah, three, four, five, and yeah. Oh, we played really well, but yeah, we should have won. And that was, it felt like a defeat, didn't it?
1: Have you seen how wound up their fans are about uh, Alioski? Oh, really? Yeah, because in <laughs> on the on the Lady United podcast, I didn't listen to it, not at all. Um, he um, mentions that uh, Alioski said, "Oh, I can't wait for Sunday," because, oh, why? Because I'm playing against my friend Pepe again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been clipped by the Arsenal fans, and they're like, they're just trying to force a rivalry with us. You know, who do they think they are? Um, but it's like, no, it's a feral child. You do not understand. <laughs> This is Johnny Alioski, the the tunnel shaker. He's he's not playing mind games. <laughs>
2: so. It's just who he is. He he could do yeah. anything, couldn't he? He could say anything. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just like somebody's posting that this is the guy, and it's that clip of him just walking in the tunnel going,
2: Peppa pig, pepper pig.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just
0: totally out of context. That's why we love him. Ah! <laughs> yeah. The man, the myth. It feels like a, a psychedelic dream trying to get into to the mind of Alyoski. <laughs> Imagine that. I think it's maybe some kind of horror film waiting to happen. <laughs> you can buy the rights at theroaringpeacock.com. Um... <laughs> but Alyoski has come into a lot of stick uh, this season. I thought he played very well against Arsenal um, in, the, in the first match. And I think deservedly so he's got stick. Because I feel like he's not really a left back. Having said that, the last three games, seen
1: much improved. Yeah, I think it was good. It was getting a lot of feedback off uh, Jack Harrison coming off after the first half against Palace. Um, so I think there was there was some disagreement going on there. But you know, when was the last time we had a recognised left back? Was it Debock? Is that the last recognised <laughs> left back we had? I'd
0: never recognised him as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he recognised himself <laughs> no.
1: in the mirror. Oh, God, poor guy. I've never seen anybody so shell-shocked, apart from um, the last Brazilian that we had. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfair to, to, you know, he's, he's in the Premier League, playing against Premier League players at left back, which
2: isn't his position. And his tendency is to get forward and he's always going to get forward. I mean, he does have that cocker spaniel sort of ability, doesn't he? Just to go, go crazy and run around. But w- when he runs forward, when he overlaps or, or, or underlaps Harrison, he's always there. He's always demanding the ball, which is, you know, bravery really, isn't it? When you're not playing particularly well, he never shirks his responsibility. Um, yeah, I think defensively he can be all over the place when, when someone really runs at him, but you can't help but feel sympathy for him. Um, and I would say that, you know, they need to buy a left back, obviously, in the summer. I think it has to be the the key priority. But he's done really well there. You know, it's it's I mean, Dallas gives you more security at the back. Um, it's not his position either, really. I think. Mm. But when um, when Alioski's played out on the wing, when Harrison hasn't played out there, um, he doesn't do a great deal different to when he's playing at left back. No, because, it's, not. it's
1: in exactly the same position when we're going forward, whether he's on the wing or left back or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's... I wouldn't like to lose him to Galatasaray. Um, that's that's page one. Um, but I still think he's got a place in, in the squad. Um, I just think we need a recognised left-back and we need to play into to his strengths, um, which is just come out there and just play. Just leave me
0: alone. Just don't talk to me anymore. Okay. Um, so that's Arsenal then. Are we beating Arsenal? Yes. Well, yeah, I think
2: so. I mean, I, I, I they've lost... Um, their keeper's suspended isn't it they? they had two sendings off in the last match so um, I think David Luiz is suspended Leno's suspended and um, I think Thomas the guy they got from Atletico is also injured so um, yeah I think we should beat them I think we've always played well down there really um, I think it's the most um, mm. it's the away fixture I've been to most um, I think in my life and and have yeah, seen some really good victories there um, and also saw uh, when Thierry Henry came back and uh, yeah, just turned a, a, a tepid team into like yeah. you know the Galacticos, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so um, I, mean, I think he scored four against us once, and and even he came back at the, about the age of 36 in a cup match and uh, and scored, didn't he? Um, uh, I, I think I think Warlock was in charge in the FA Cup was about 10 years ago, but yeah, I think we always we always put on a show there, it's always a good ground to go to. Um, but it's a shame
0: that, that we can't be there. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because we haven't won in London for quite some time. Um, but we we do seem to play well against Arsenal for some reason. We always have. I think if we hadn't of like you mentioned Galatasaray, if we hadn't have got knocked out of the UEFA Cup by them, I think we would have beaten Arsenal in the final because that's what we do. Um, so that would have been another trophy. Um <laughs> But yeah, they're not on a good run of form at all. So they they lost to Wolves and they lost to Villa. But on the other hand, they beat Southampton and they they drew with with the Scum, who have been doing well. And when you say that their keeper is out, that fills me with dread (laughs) because the the last time that happened was against Everton.
1: (laughs) As soon as I heard
0: that, I went, I'd rather have Jordan Pickford. (laughs) Uh, Every (laughs) every day of the week, I'd rather have Pickford in there. Okay, um, so let's move on then. Oh, and if you want to listen to our preview of the Arsenal game, it'll be out on Saturday, where we're joined by Keith Dover again for the <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: No oh, Keith no. Dover
0: podcast. If you don't, if you haven't heard that, um, basically the Arsenal preview that we did earlier in the season, we were joined by Keith. He's from the Tuesday Club, which is famous for having Alan Davis on. And he basically took over yeah. the podcast. We were guests and... in our own podcast. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that few words on a podcast. I've only said that few words on a podcast, on one of our own podcasts, twice. <laughs> and once with Keith Dover, and the other one was, of course, with Phil Hay. Oh, we should get Phil and Keith on the same pod and just let them battle it out. Oh, really? It's like, I think Zencaster would crash it'd be 90 minutes of them talking over the top of each other at the same time and you you're trying to isolate the the different audio waves so you can actually listen to what's what's been happening so let's move on then and uh rob you have written a book i have yeah um it's um
2: thank you uh for holding it up it's um it's like a history of the club um right from the beginning 1919 to uh the moment we got promoted in 2020, um, I'd written another book 20-odd uh, years ago about the, about the Revy team, um, and it's a nice product, isn't it? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's well-designed, smells good. Oh, what a bouquet. It's a
0: fragrance. For those of you listening on the podcast, I was sniffing the book. Um, you can see that on YouTube.
2: But yes, so uh, had always wanted to write a sequel to to the Revi book um, that I wrote with my mate uh, Paul Rogerson uh, twenty years ago, um, but we couldn't really get a publishers interested, in, and we decided not to do it. And then, um, roughly about when uh, that season when Gary Monk was in charge, um, our run, our doomed run to the playoffs, sort of got a lot of interest back in Leeds, not just from you know us who. Who love the club and and have been with it through thin and thinner, uh, you know, for sixteen years. Uh, but, but there's a lot of widespread um, interest. So I, I was approached about writing a book again and, and looking at something with regards to the centenary. Um, so I, I just started on that really in about 2016-17, and it, it took me a hell of a long time to to pull it all together. But it is a, a 101 year history of the club because. Obviously, we didn't get promoted at the end of um, 2019, so the publishers didn't think there was anything to really hang it on, apart from centenary. And Moscow had already uh, beat me to that. So uh...
0: <laughs> those damn square ball guys <laughs> beating you to everything—not <clears throat> relatable at all. <laughs> uh, if they weren't so much,
2: if they weren't such nice fellas, you'd present you'd, you'd, you'd them, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um no i don't have enough (laughs) pride in myself to to do that but uh no daniel's book is great as well but this this is this is really good um there was just alex do you want to talk about something no i just find this oh yeah
1: can do um yeah, I guess so. I think somebody something got leveled at uh, Moscow, didn't it? Where somebody said, "Oh, your book—you've just copied and pasted it from Wikipedia." <laughs> I think not a lot, not a lot of respect to the research that goes into yourself and you know, Moscow's sort of efforts. Uh, I think there's—I
2: can't—I could not even imagine the amount of research that you guys have had to go into to do this stuff. I, I mean, that's the thing that the, the research is the enjoyable part, really, because you just—you just—it takes you off in all sorts of different directions that you don't know. But I mean, it's such a shame that that so many people have, have, you know, have not sort of covered the club up to about the 50s or 60s before. You know, the reevee really is the moment where people start to get interested and there are, you know, interviews and other things. But there's really nothing to pick up from before then because people like, you know, Wilf Copping or, or Bert Spross, great players in the 30s, England internationals, you know, ne- never did interviews because, you know, the papers just weren't interested in them. Um, so trying to piece out, together what they were like as, as as people and sort of chart their paths um through through the club and what the club meant to them and what what we owe to them too. You know, it was
0: the best part of it really now I have to make a confession. Uh I've got a pile of things to do that is very, very big. So I haven't been able to get through much of the book yet. Um, but One of my favourite parts so far, Um, I would like to read to you, if that's okay. For much of the past 17 years, where once we had spoken about history and tradition, goals, formations, the potential for fun or wallowed in misery, we practised eternal vigilance, attempting to divine the meaning of official statements, some of them even crafted by Max Clifford, put on the payroll by Risdale. We had to teach ourselves the rudiments of accountancy to decipher the books, turn sleuth to piece together offshore ownership arrangements and liabilities, delve into Italian criminal and civil litigation, trawl gulf-based financial newswires searching for clues and scour Amnesty International reports. Throughout, while the club's fortunes have been hostage to the whims of the fanciful, sulfurous, vapid or volatile regimes, that stretched between the Caspian Purchase in 96 and Chilino's final farewell in 2017, the saving grace has been the fans. They, especially the large, rowdy away support, have kept the flame burning, mounting the barricades of resistance, asserting the club's exceptionalism and rousing its spirit. In practical terms, many have become activists in the Supporters' Trust and Community Benefit Society. They have built an institutional framework to save Leeds from the need for saviours when the day comes, while also rallying to help food banks raise money for hospices and hospitals work truly worthy of the name, United. What characterises Leeds then is not a paranoia or victimhood, but dissent. It is a status that can be described as in opposition to establishment, the board, sometimes the whole lousy world and part of it stems from the reasons for the club's existence as well as its experiences yeah sums out doesn't it
1: (laughs) i mean the the stuff that the the little pockets of expertise that our fan base have got in italian law and you know now accounts and stuff like that is we wouldn't have had to do that if we would have been owned correctly
2: yeah exactly i think if it, it's been the fans that have held Bates to account. It's been the fans that, that have held Cellino to account. It's the fans that, that really first, despite all the stuff that GFH did at the beginning, you know, the relief that Bates had finally gone, all that PR nonsense of them, of, you know, of them trying to. I mean, all that stuff about Haig, <laughs> he would just blatantly lie about being a lifelong Leeds fan when, when yeah. there was no evidence for it at all. And yet as i think i say somewhere else in the book you know what did they think the internet was for this is like 2012 2013 how did they think they could make these statements without people like you know squirreling away until they found out what they were really up to or what they were really yeah. about um yeah it was a hell of a ride those years and, and most of it you know on the pitch was awful but but off it there was this real sense of i mean obviously they, they had their um they had their uh, supporters, or supporters—the right word—the the Chalibas and 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 the people who who who, who forgive Jeff H anything. Bates had his apologists too, you know, among the fan yeah. base. Um, but you know what you could find out and, and about them was largely due to the fact that that people were doing, you know, God's work really, like looking into all this stuff for us and and helping us navigate what what was, you know, really. Hazardous waters, I think, for Leeds.
1: And then projecting um, signs onto the side of the East End. Um, I mean, just unreal, that stuff. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, all we ever craved was an owner who, who would actually recognise the potential of Leeds and rather than, than crimping our style. And, and I think Rabjizani has done that. You know, he has been sold on on what Leeds' potential is. Um, and everything has stemmed from that. You know, he's put the structure in, in place. Yeah, of course he wants a return in in, in the long run. But, hmm. but he's had someone with the with the financial acumen not to live from season to season. You know, I, you felt with Bates that, that you know, it was, a, it was a new script every season in the yeah. sense that, you know, ship out a load of players, cash in for what you can, you know, sell off the catering this year, mortgage the season tickets the next year. It was just hand to mouth while he would, could get out. Um, same with GFH. Um, and, and Cellino was in some respects you know trying to do something with the with the books which were in a terrible state the finances yeah but the way he went around it about it and his just volatility it was just amazing and then to find out all the criminal activity or and, and, and <laughs> the fraud that he'd been done for and yet this was a man you know Now, with with the keys to the Legionite piggy bank,
0: whatever. He's
1: he's literally a fit and proper person. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I just love
0: how you tied all of those things together, all of those feelings Hmm. together, all of the um, experiences uh, as fans. Because a lot of people feel so much but can't express it, and I think that's the job of writers is to like put all of that feeling, you know, the 16 years or not even, you yeah. know, for some people it's 50, yeah. 60, 70 years of, of, of an experience of being a fan. Um, but also to kind of capture the spirit of, of Leeds, like you've done so well in that passage, That that's the real thing that you get out of it when, when you're reading this book, is that it it speaks those emotions that you felt um, for you in a way that you could, that you've done much better than probably I could or many other people.
1: I think you've seen examples of where a group of people have tried to understand what it is to be a Leeds fan without being a Leeds fan and come up short. You know, the Gaviscon badge basically is the example of that. And I think you've got to have lived it to to kind of understand that and to convey it as well. Like Adonis says, that's the skill. Thank you.
2: I mean, it was, I mean, what I wanted to do was to sort of write a polemic, you know, to write, write a manifesto of why we are like we are. And, and to, yeah. you know, I could only have done that having having lived it. The, you know, I'm 53, so I, I'm older than you guys, so I, I do remember, you know, seeing a team play in the European Cup final and then just fall off a cliff, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, to be going to matches back then and living through all the, the stuff that went off on the field and off the field. And then when we got relegated in 82, um And then to see all the painstaking work that Wilkinson did and and, and Leslie Silver did to to build it back, to see how quickly Ridsdale squandered that. You know, we have, of course, the old dream bollocks, you know, living the dream and all that. Uh, It was fantastic to be able to go to those European matches. It it was a great run. And, you know, the O'Leary side, you know, I I just remember them really fondly in terms of some brilliant victories and, and some fantastic performances. But had we known how much it was built on sand, um, you know, it would have terrified us at the time. And we would not have, we would not have, you know, we would not have made that bargain with the devil. Yeah, we'll just give us two, two decent years without silverware and we'll have what's going to follow.
1: yeah, uh, I well, the 16 years outside of the Premier League in, in exchange. No thanks.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what Stale sort of said in his book. You know, well, you know, we all lived the dream, we all lived it, but it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like that. It, it was a nightmare for most of them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think what I saw a little bit of the um, reluctance to um, celebrate the sort of signings that we're making at the start of the season because people are so scarred from what Ridsdale did and, you know, mortgaging the players on, you know, that we're paying multiple millions we probably paid more for Seth Johnson than we did for Rafinha and it's it's that sort of thing that you know everybody's a little bit reticent to go oh yeah that's really good so, actually are we funding this in the right way I think we asked the same question to Phil when we had Phil on it's like do you think this is right and then again a Kieran do you reckon this is alright Kieran uh, so, <laughs> I, I think I think we're, we're not spending too much are <laughs> no?
2: we are we living within our means yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, how else could you behave? You know, you, it, it's, we've been burnt so many times that you, yeah. you know it, it gives you this excess of caution, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'd all seen what Fulham did a couple of years before when they they absolutely spent 150 million quid, you know, yeah. and, and went straight down, worse than the team that had got them promoted. It's so yeah. easy to, to 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 mess it up. Um, yeah. But I do think that what they've done really well this time is, is to have. You know a structure of the club that has you know obviously has Bielsa in charge of the playing side but it also has you know scouting it has independent scouting it has a a pathway to 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 the to the top really uh, through through the admin side too so almost like a permanent civil service rather than you know like the government might change but we've got we've got the people in there that, that know what they're doing yeah yeah, it's it's
1: nice to have a plan that is more than just from transfer window to transfer window. Because Bates and Chilino were the same, as in the ethos that he had in a summer transfer window wasn't the same in January. And Bates would just well, it was Chilino's 0 when it? it was like don't go to bed just yet and we ended up selling two players. So it's you know, it's nice to have that. I mean, I didn't see anybody really complaining that we didn't sign anybody in January. Which is the first transfer window that I've seen us not complain that we've not bought something in January.
2: So yeah, I think a, we're doing right. It's a it's a real turnaround, isn't it? I mean, it, it would have yeah. been nice to get a midfielder, but it's not you know, it we know where we set where we're placed, we know that that will have to come in the summer and, and yeah we don't need that sort of impetus in January. Plus, you know, we saw what happened with big uh, Kev, you know, that yeah. you, you know, you, you can't you can't learn the BLCA <laughs> way uh, so quickly can you I, I do think the summer signings will benefit from a full pre-season too um, yeah you know i think they'll kick on next year as well
0: no absolutely so you've wanted to write this book for 20 years almost i guess and and then you've ended up researching for four
2: i think yeah i right? mean it was on and off like doing a, a full-time job so um yeah, yeah i was it started really um the Telegraph asked me to start writing like monthly blogs on Leeds, so I started doing that again um uh when we uh under under christensen under monk and then uh, it his first season so I didn't actually start writing the book till quite a bit later sort of twenty eighteen twenty nineteen but that had um had done all the research um in a couple of years before um and when we wrote the unforgiven um I think I said. Um, before to Moscow we were chatting about it that 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 we had written off the entire prehistory of Leeds you know it basically starts in 1961 and tells you you know apart from John Charles you know you might as well you might as well you know avoid the rest of it because nothing really happened and I sort of wanted to redress that that sort of you know it wasn't fair on, on the club and it wasn't fair on the people who built the club so it was I mean that's the part that I enjoyed the most sort of writing about the 20s the 30s the 40s because I've lived everything from the 70s onwards, really. So it it wasn't too difficult in terms of knowing how to express myself about about those events. Uh, but it was, like, really interesting to try and piece together what the club was like right at its beginning. And the themes are all the same all the way through. You know, we have struggled for money. The city has turned its back on the club many times. It, it's had real problems attracting the crowd at times. Um, and, and I do think that, you know... It, I've said it before, but, but what's really strange about Leeds in 2021 is we're more popular now than we've ever been. You know, that O'Leary got bigger crowds than Reeve did um, in, in the seasons that he was in charge. You know, there was still uh, there was still an element within the Leeds public that would turn its back on Leeds United, um, and it hasn't always been a healthy relationship between the city and, and the club. Uh, but now it just seems... You know, that word United, i so tried to say it, but it does seem that the City, the club, you know, the people, you know, have had a yearning for something and the club is now providing it. Yeah. I mean, the
1: City's been that disconnected at some points that Leeds Rhinos fans have been arguing with the Leeds United fans about the ownership of marching on together. I mean, that's how bad it got. I mean, we're a lot more joined up now, which is good.
0: Do you think maybe that, the redemption story, so the 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 wilderness years, uh, sixteen years away from the Premier League, has, has sort of led to that reconnection.
2: I think so. I think it's because the people have kept the flame alive. I think you know, in terms of what the club means and and what it could be, its huge potential. We've always talked about its potential, and so all you want is a sign, a, a little spark, of, that the people know what potential this club has and how they can, how how they can make it achieve its potential. And I think that's, I think that's what people have been yearning for, that in the past, it's never been a case of, I mean, plus Bates was making us pay top dollar to watch terrible football. You know, we were paying Premier League prices to, to, to watch. You Premier League, uh, <laughs> Premier League prices. Yeah. I remember that. Yes. You know, Bates radio. Oh God. I mean, it, it's unbelievable to think how, how long he was in charge for and, and and what it was like. You, I think most people, you know, would never lo- like to dwell on on that, you know. But it's, you know, it's such an important part of who we are as a fan base. I think that we that we got through it. You know, the whole the humor that that was shown towards it too. You know, the shoes, the pens, um, yeah. everything that, that everyone's got an imp- uh, you know an impression of Ken Bates talking to Susanna. You know, it, 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 it's it, it that's you know these things will never leave us, but. Um, yeah, I think I think there's been a huge yearning for it within the city, and I think the club is is reaping the benefits of just having people who recognise what its potential is.
1: Yeah. Disconcerting, though, isn't it? It's like has come out of the woodwork. Rajiv is going to be like have a boat full of dead bodies and guns at some point, and we'll find out. It's it's
2: fine. It's inevitable. Well, yeah, I mean, but the, people are so quick to. You, was it last year or the year before when he when he bought the rights to Syria and, and La Liga for his you know his streaming service? And, and yeah. there are lots of articles back then. You know, it's not it's not going very well. It's not going well. This will have a huge impact on Leeds. But of course, you know, it hasn't, as far as we know yeah. yet. Um, yeah, and and. You know, I do think he is more sensibly structured his, his finances, and you know, what I mean. You can't believe everything you saw on the Amazon dock. You know, there was a lot of, you know, it had a lot of vaseline on the lens at times, in terms of the way um, the way the club was portrayed, but and, and him as some sort of shining figure. I have I, got no reason not to not to believe everything that he said so far. But you know, I do think we'll never rid ourselves of the scepticism. And I think that's a healthy thing because, oh, yeah, absolutely. because, absolutely. you know, as I said, you know, we, we've had our, we've had our fingers burnt too many times.
1: Yeah. Every owner should be dealt with the healthy level of scepticism. It doesn't matter how good it is. You've still got to question the decisions like the Myanmar thing. Yeah. Um, I still don't agree with that. Um, the Kiko thing, let's yeah. not go into that. Um, but yeah, you still got to be sceptical about the decisions.
2: Yeah.
0: So um, I'm going to sneak this in, in, in the middle of a podcast and see if you are actually listening. Uh, so uh, this month's, um, this is a bit of my artwork, and uh, we were giving this away to a subscriber or somebody who retweeted. So congratulations, Martin Garrity at Garrity 72 Get in touch. If you're listening, you've won a print. If not, You've missed out and um, <laughs> <laughs> And this month uh, we'll be doing the same thing, so you can choose uh, one of these uh, pieces of art, so all you need to do is like subscribe on YouTube and leave a comment or uh, or find us on Twitter at Peacocks Raw. So th- there you go. that's all the, that's the announcement that I had to do. <laughs> um so uh rob i wanted to ask you this because i've been asking a lot of people this but um what how did you celebrate promotion
2: well it was a very strange day really because i mean obviously given that it was a it was a huddersfield uh, result that, that got us up and i'd never quite thought that, that that they would be able to pull it off um and because we were in lockdown it, it I didn't really do a huge amount apart from drink a hell of a lot and and you know bring up the mates that i always talk to about these are people i went to and we were just you know sort of squawking at each other incoherently um, <laughs> as you do because you know i remember when we won the league in in 92 um it came back from uh from yorkshire that night and and, me and my mate and he, we hadn't had a drink and he just said you know Let, let's go let's go out and we went to a pub in 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 Hammersmith in London by the river um and you know it, that felt really anticlimactic you know we should have stayed in Leeds we should have been out in the city and I felt it this time that you know not being my mum still lives in Wakefield but and I've lived down here for, for years now but I still felt that that would have been the best place to be and I, I don't you know I, I utterly sympathize with the people who went to the ground you know I I, I can understand why they've been you know ticked off and, and, and people have, have criticized them but you know jesus I, if, if i were in leeds i'd be straight down there uh but sadly i wasn't so uh, yeah had a lot to drink and uh and uh, made uh, a lot of um you know you fist pumping irrational the uh, <laughs> irrational things that you know you'd, you'd never if you caught yourself in a mirror doing it you'd, you'd think you'd gone you'd gone <laughs> daft but but yeah it's, it's, it was an, an amazing moment and and to see them and to see that footage of of, of when Bielsa turned on, I mean,
0: that yeah. was,
2: you know, I'm a hardened man in many ways, you know, not a hard man, but, you know, your, your emotions are hardened by everything that, that's happened to us. But, you know, you know, I just thought it was just such a wonderful moment when, when he catches sight of, of Calvin, when he catches sight of Bamford, and, and you see the you see the respect and the love they have for each other. It was uh, It was amazing.
1: I worried at that point that I thought he's kind of, he's lost the, the veneer of like a hard football manager. And I thought he's going to struggle to reel him in and get a performance in because he's shown his human side. But luckily it's not. I think it's worked quite well because they know that that, si- that side of him exists, yeah. but they still have to perform to, to see that fatherly, grandfatherly side of him, which is good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I thought yeah. it, was, it was funny the way that they were sort of hiding the, hiding the bottles of beer behind their backs, you know, that when he <laughs> comes in and then he sort of yeah. gradually realized that he wasn't going to bollock them. So they just yeah. sort of edged, edged him out of it. But it's yeah, yeah. good.
0: Yeah. When uh, KP was, Bielsa was hugging KP, um, I've told my fiance. A number of times to not leave the kitchen door open when she's chopping onions. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so coincidental. Yeah, there were no, tears. No, it's, there it's, were,
1: and it's every time you replay the video as well. She's back in the kitchen with the, with the onions. It's yeah. just so inconvenient.
2: It's terrible. Can
0: you leave those onions alone, look? God's sake!
2: <laughs> I mean, and, and the other thing is, I mean, they, you know, to, to have a team that is. Is so likeable, really. I mean, do you really, is there any one of them that you don't like? I mean, apart from Kiko, obviously, but, you know, there's, there's, there's been times in the past where the team's been full of people you just can't stand as footballers yeah. or as players. You know, they're putting on the badge, they're putting on the shirt, you're just going along with, as a sense of duty, you know, uh, to, to watch them. And you just think, you know, I've got no investment in these people. I don't like no. them. And yet here, we've got players who are, you know, it just seems so, so normal, so so you know, so grounded.
1: It's, yeah, it's- I think it showed in the the outpouring of gratitude towards uh, Barry Douglas, who didn't play much in that season, yeah. but he still like everybody was sad to see him go, and it was you know it was nice to see that because he was as much part as of the dressing room as he was everybody else.
0: Yeah, I I don't remember feeling so much love f- for for a, a Leeds team, even even back in the in the in the days of of this year, 2000, two thousand two thousand one, and all that. Um. There there were still some characters in the team, your likes of Lee Boyer, who you loved, but there was maybe an, another side to him. And yeah, you not want to say something
1: wrong to him out in Majestics, would you? Mm. No, <laughs> um,
0: let's not get involved in the litigation, but
2: no, <laughs> he was acquitted.
0: I don't think there's even any allegedly about it. Is there? come on now? Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to the disclaimer at the start of the pod if you're planning on suing us, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it just seemed like a lovely, a lovely group, a lovely bunch of lads. As
2: You can't fault the lads. Yeah, as
0: Neil Warnock would have said. Yeah. And he did, every flaming week, didn't he? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He had to be right at some point, and now is the time. Yeah. So, well done, Neil. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um So we've come to uh, the end of our time together. Um, parting is such sweet sorrow, uh, but let's leave everybody with some uh, hopefully positive final thoughts. Uh, so maybe start off with you, Badger.
1: I'm searching for positivity. Uh, okay, so if anybody would have come up to you, let's say that, that goal from uh, Leeds Legend... Emil Smith-Rowe goes in and, you know, they turn around and you say, Leeds are promoting now. And in February, we'll be going into the Arsenal match above them and Patrick Bamford had been considered for England. He'd have gone, fuck off. Yeah. That's where we're at. I mean, just enjoy it.
2: Mm. Rob? Yeah, we're playing well. We have not, you know, taken a step backwards all season. Um, I think, you know, the team is, is, is coming together, um, playing a style of football that is, is you know, it takes teams time to, to suss us out and I think I think we just have have a really good chance of beating Arsenal because of the way we play, because of their weaknesses, and because of the fact that Bielsa that just has this aura about him that that we'll, you know, find a way to beat them. I, I, I'm I'm really positive about Sunday.
0: Sounds fantastic to me. Uh, I'll take some of that. And uh, Rob, can you let us know where people can find your book?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the moment with the bookshops closed, uh, Amazon is about your best bet, really. But I mean, there are other bookshops that that have websites, at uh, Waterstones and, and other places. The publisher itself, uh, Vision Sports, which is uh, VSP, if you can, uh, I'll send a link. Really, but you can get signed copies on there if you need to, or if you hit me up on Twitter, I can send you a signed. Uh, uh book plate or oh, dedication or anything that you like you know happy to stick one in the post for you um and on
0: twitter i'm at, at @unforgivenrb. unforgiven rb fantastic and what can you do there's some like postcards or something that you could sign as well like a, a little bit of in a porn post you know <laughs> <but> not naked <laughs> no, not naked no, no. you know just a little bit covered up no tastefully done, done. Yeah. well you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: You, well, of course, yeah, you know, I'll do whatever the public wants, you know. Uh,
0: there you go. Heard that here first, I can guarantee. 2045 you. eBay.
1: <laughs> I've got a signed sexy photo of Robin Badge.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I hope you've enjoyed that podcast. It was number 70. Um, so, uh, time for the morgue. <laughs> <laughs> Not long left,
2: boys. (laughs) Nice knowing you.
0: No. (laughs) Uh, If you want to give us a follow, if you want to subscribe, if you want to comment, if you want to like, if you want to share, if you want to pass the peacock along to your friends and family, uh, that would be, uh, we'd be enormously grateful if you did that. Uh, And if you didn't, we 're not gonna hold it against you so no worries no, I, will. I will yeah
1: I hold it against you I'm
0: just gonna hold something against you
1: something against you. it's gonna be a sign picture of Robin <laughs> I'll hold it against you <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay and uh, so thank you very much for listening it's been lovely to have uh, Rob Bagji on as a guest co-host. Maybe we can rope him into being part of the Roaring Peacock. <laughs> I don't think we can pay as much as the Telegraph. Uh, it's a purely volunteer basis. So if you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at RB, And it's a very goodbye from Rob. Goodbye. Thank you. And uh, if you want to follow Alex, uh, it's at RiotBadger on Twitter. And give him a follow because he does very funny videos of dogs to Bryn Law commentary that um other people rip off and then Gary Lineker shares it
1: what what is that all about I don't understand like I did that in August last year (laughs) and then all of a sudden in February 2021 people are posting it and it's oh this is hilarious and Gary Lineker's like oh this is hilarious Jeremy Vine's like oh this is so funny I'm like where's my credit bitches
0: (laughs) we definitely need that soft (laughs) piano music and the and the, the black and white image, the black and white filter for you, talking about that. Um,
2: Where is my credit?
0: <laughs> um, so it's a very goodbye from Alex. Let <laughs> And uh, I'm at the Adelites. Uh, give me a follow too. Um, so very goodbye from me. That's the Roaring Peacock out. Come on, lads. On, 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 on. Most of our stats come from LUFC stats or LEFC data on Twitter. A very special thanks to Barney Stewart Cook, Ewan and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon and Rob, the Light Show, and all our family and friends. So many games to
1: play, don't care what's on your mind.